Hey, it's Pastor Jeffrey Graff with Faith Family Church Next Gen. Thanks for tuning in. I hope this message brings truth, clarity, and hope to your situation. God loves you very much, and I hope you feel that today. Enjoy the podcast. What is up, everybody? How are y'all doing today? Good, good, good. Man, I like to preach to y'all when y'all have a good time. I'm not going to lie, I'm in a very laughy mood today, so I'm really like, like, I was in Friday mood, and it's Tuesday. That can't happen, so I'm going to really try to rein it in. But before I get started, can, y'all, can we just tell the worship team, thank you uh, so much for everything they do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah, All right, let's get into it. Uh, confession time for me. It's not much of a confession, but I hate going to the doctor. Anybody else? Anybody else hate going to the doctor? Okay, I feel bad saying that because my wife is in medicine, and so I just feel like it's rude, like... Like, how would I feel if she stood up here and was like, all right, everybody, I just, I hate going to church, right? Be like, hmm, double standard. But I do. I hate going to the doctor. And for one reason, needles. Needles. Everybody say needles. Okay, and don't, almost set the record straight. I'm not like a sissy la la, like, they don't, it doesn't hurt to get stabbed by a needle. It is what it is. It's the feeling like when the needle juice goes into you. I hate that. Like... Needle juice, you know, like, you never know what juice is in it, so just the needle juice, the, the generic juice that is in the needle. I can't stand that. I, it messes with my head. The circulatory system shuts down. I don't even know what that means, but I hate it, okay? I really do. Last time I got the flu shot was in 2019. I went to Walgreens, home of the flu shot. It was invented at Walgreens. And I, sat to the, I said to the lady, I said, hey, I just want you to know like, I normally pass out when I get shots. And this lady, I don't, I don't know where she learned her bedside manners at, but she's like, oh, no, no. She pulls the needle in front of my face. She's like, shing. I didn't do that, but in my head, like that's, it was like a sword. She's like, shing. It's not a very big needle, sweetie. And I was like, oh, God. And so, I mean, it was only like real small. But she's like, just look away, look away. So I look away, and then she sticks me, right? And I was fine until her thumb pressed the syringe, and the needle juice came out. And so at this point, like, I just start sweating profusely. I start stinking. She was already a little stinky, so we were both just stinky. And I get up, and I was like, I'm serious. Like, in the, like within three, four seconds, I'm just, like, dripping sweat. And so I stand up. The needle juice is well into the circulatory system. We don't know what it was. Hopefully, it's the flu shot. There's a lot of trust that goes into this. And so... I'm walking around, and she's like, sweetie, sit down. It'll be fine. And I was like, no, I just need to walk this off. Like, I'm just circling Walgreens like I'm in a prayer vigil. And I'm just sitting there, and then next thing I know, just everything goes black. And I wake up in the Powerade aisle with two women just... <laughs> I'm dead serious. I was like, oh, they're like, get him water. So, yes. I hate the doctor. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the doctor. I appreciate medicine, all of that. But I hate the doctor. And so I bring that up just because it's a funny way to segue. Uh, Did you know that in scripture, Jesus is referred to as the great physician? Everybody say the great physician. Or, you know, the great doctor, pretty much. He's literally referred to as the greatest doctor. And I totally believe, whether physically, whether spiritually, Jesus can completely heal you. And I know in your 
thinking. Maybe you're like, well, I don't see Jesus walking around, you know, with a little white coat and a stethoscope booking appointments, because he's not, okay? He's not like a physical doctor. But Jesus left something so that we would really get to know him, know how he thinks, how he would diagnose, all of that. That is his word. Everybody say the Bible. So did you know that the Bible is meant to be a sort of spiritual doctor for you and for me. What does a doctor do? It's pretty simple. The doctor fixes, or he diagnoses what's wrong, and then he fixes it. Diagnoses what's wrong, fixes it. So the, the Bible, in some sense, is made so that you and I could have a surgery for the soul. Surgery for the soul. The title of this message, you could probably guess, is Surgery for the Soul. So for a random example, I'm going to go way deeper into this in a second, but for a random example, let's just say that you're struggling to keep friends. It seems like you always have fallouts, your friend group's always changing. You might come to the Bible and you might read something like Philippians 2, 4 and see, don't look out for only your self. (laughs) There was a good try and better than all you others who were just like, I don't know it. I don't know it. Like, I'm going to try. Good job. <laughs> Don't look out for only your own interest, but take an interest in others too. And so suddenly you might realize coming to the Bible, right? Oh, so the sickness is that I think about myself too much. The solution is that I should be, you know, more involved in other people's life. That's just a random example. But in any case, I'm going to show you how the Bible performs surgery on the soul. And we're going to look at some of the reasons that maybe we kind of resist going to it. Because it's sad. There's a lot of people walking around with a lot of stuff in their heart. Going through a lot. Facing a lot. But a lot of times we refuse to consult the greatest surgeon who has ever lived. So let's pray and then let's talk about it. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, God, uh, for your word. Lord, it is amazing. It's powerful. It's wonderful. God, let us humble ourselves before it today. Let it do the preaching. Let me get out of the way. God, use something I say to help people today for no other reason than to give you glory and so that we leave more like you than when we came. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. I've preached a version of this like three years ago. Full disclosure, this is what I wrote my senior paper on in college. Like these two verses, I wrote like 42 pages on or something like that. So I know more about these two verses than most others. So I'm going to try to not bore you with anything stupid, only things interesting. Deal? Deal. All right. Verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are all accountable. Now, honestly, you read this at first, it's a little creepy. You're like, naked and exposed. Put a little piece of tape over the camera on the Bible, you know what I'm saying? But... (laughs) Too far. When you read it, though, it's kind of like, 
if you're not careful, it kind of has these underlying, like, kind of judgmental, subliminal tones where you're like, you read the Bible, and it's the sword that cuts between the soul and the spirit, and, and everyone's accountable to God. And you're like, whoa, whoa, this thing's a little bit creepy. This thing's a little bit intense. Now, few people understand what I'm about to share with you. See, when the Bible says that it's like a double-edged sword, you know, it makes you think of these like big old battle sword, like that needle that the lady stabbed me with at Walgreens. Shing! You know what I'm saying? One of those swords. But when the Bible in the New Testament talks about swords, it talks about it with one of two words. One of the words is homphria. Is that right? No, romphia. Romphia. Everybody say romphia. Okay, this is like a huge battle sword, right? But then there's another word for sword called machaira. Everybody say machaira. This is more like a little dagger. I'll show you so you don't think I'm lying. Here's the uh, Greek version of the Old Testament. It says in Judges 20, 17, Israel have 400,000 experienced soldiers armed with swords. And the word there is rumphia. And in this case, like I said, it's a big sword. Shing, shing. Okay. But then Judges 3.16 says, for God so... No, I was playing, but you see 3.16. That's what you automatically think, right? Judges 3.16 says, so Ehud made a double-edged dagger, Makaira, that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. clothing. It was a small knife, small enough to hide. Now, here's what's interesting, okay? When the Bible says that the word of God is like a double-edged sword, guess which one it uses? Just guess. Small one or big one? Who thinks big one? Who thinks small one? Oh, it's so smart. Okay. So it does. It says that it's like a double-edged Makaira dagger. Here's why that's interesting. I know. Listen, I'm going to go somewhere with this, but I got to teach for a second. Is it okay? Do y'all care? Do y'all mind when I bore you with teaching? Okay, good. Listen, I like to teach the Bible. The Bible's fun to teach. Listen, back in those days, surgeons would use double-edged machairas, double-edged daggers. And surgeons would stand there and one edge would do something, one edge would do another. Now, I brought a picture of it because I don't like you to just think I'm making stuff up. Check this out. These are really old um, pictures from digs that they did uh, during this time. And if you see in the middle, there's a spot to hold it, right? And then on either side of the blade, it has a different function something that's going on. So when the Bible's talking about this, there's more going on than what you and I understand. What's even cooler is that the rest of the language is actually very medical as well. So verse 12, right? The word of God is alive and powerful, darker than any two-edged sword. But then in verse 13, and I'm very, I've been excited for this all week. Verse 13, it says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is I just want everyone to say naked at the same time. <laughs> is that just immature? Yes. Who cares? One more time. Everything is naked. Lord, we are naked before you today. Uh, everything's naked and exposed before his eyes. Some translations don't say naked and exposed. They say everything is stretched out and laid bare. Literally, it says everything is stretched out and laid bare in Greek. But essentially, what it's saying is this. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. It's saying this. Whenever you come to the word of God... It's just like when you're coming to a surgery table. When you come to a surgery table, let's say you're going to have open heart surgery. What are you going to do? You're going to take your shirt off and you're going to stretch yourself out on the table before the doctor so that he can do his work. If you really understand what the Bible is saying about itself, it's saying that whenever you read the Bible, 
Whenever you come to church, whenever you read it at your house, what you should have the attitude of is somebody going before a surgeon, stretching themselves out and saying, God, I'm here, do your work. Whatever you need to do in me to get me more healthy, then that's what we're going to do. That's the function of the Bible. It's to surgically kind of dive in and help you. Everybody say, do your work. Now, this begs the question, what is the work, right? If the Bible is a double-edged sword, what are the two sides? I'm going to give you my opinion, but I think I can back it up in Scripture. The Bible all throughout has this kind of tension. Jesus came in grace and truth. You are to, pre- you are to live the truth in love, right? There's like this. So I'm going to show you the two sides, but I need someone's help. Um, Zach, are you here? I texted Zach. Yeah, come here, Zach. Oh, gosh, you're the slowest walker. Zach, 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 Zach. Okay, hurry up. Zach's getting married in November. Hey. Proud of you, man. We never thought we'd see the day. Me either. Okay, so Zach, I kind of warned you. Now, I just need you to lay on this table. Literally, this will be the easiest sermon you've ever had to listen to because you can fall asleep. You can lay on your stomach. You can lay on your back. If you lay on your back. Nah, Corey laid on it, and he's thick. Uh, Nah, we tried. So your back. All right. I was going to say, if you laid on your back, it's heart surgery. If you laid on your stomach, Brazilian butt lift. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'm going to change my mind. It's all the same price. Okay. Um, okay. So the two edges of the, uh, of, of the Bible. I'm going to just get into the first one. And I'm going to try to prove it. First one is conviction. I mean, comfort. Everybody say comfort. One thing I've noticed as a pastor with all seriousness is I talk to people and they walk around with heavy hearts, man. Just people are going through stuff. And you like, if you looked at their Instagram, you'd never know. Then you talk to them for like, and I don't know like if this happens to you or me, but like, I'm like, hi, how you doing? And people just open up to me and I'm like, oh, alrighty then. And it's sad. I'm not making a joke of it. It's very sad. Or There's just heavy stuff. So maybe we come to the surgery table before God and we just feel tired. We just feel beat. And there's stuff going on in our life that we have no idea. Maybe there's, you know, some family issues and they're your own blood and you can't even get along. Or maybe uh, you're sick and the doctors can't explain why. And maybe... You know, there's all sorts of reasons. You're sick of the way that you're getting treated at work. But you come to the surgery table of God. I brought a little prop. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't look yet. <laughs> Zach, don't worry. I'm not, I'm not going to hurt you. Okay. <laughs> what did you say? He said he will sue. He said he will sue. Um, <laughs> too far. You, you come to the surgery table of God's word. And maybe you hear something like Philippians 4.19, and it says, uh, or is it Philippians? What's on there? And the, you read it. And this, y'all, y'all gotta, y'all gotta help me preach. I can't read it from over here. And this same God, all your needs from his glorious riches, And I know this sounds funny, but you lay yourself on the surgery table of God with all your junk, with all your drama, and God just has a way. Oh, this is really a back scratcher, but it's going to be a chest scratcher. 
He has a way of just kind of comforting you. <laughs> this is the first edge. That feels pretty good, right? I know. I, I, it, I do a front back scratcher. This is, I own this. <laughs> and so maybe, <laughs> let's just do this for 20 more minutes. So maybe you come to God and like it's hard to explain, but you get in the presence of God and you just feel refreshed. You feel comforted. Anybody ever left like a worship service or a message and you just felt like it was talking to you? And even though everything was going on, it was like, man, you had strength to fight another day. God does that. His word does that. It can rejuvenate you. It can lift you up. It can get you going. Um, maybe you come to the uh, Bible and, and, you know, you have, I don't know. Here's the point. You get in the, the presence of the Lord and it has a way of just giving you exactly what you need. I can't tell you how many times I've woken up and just so stressed about my day, so heavy with all the things I got to do. You ever feel like this? And you're like, you just woke up anxious. You're like, oh, but the first thing I do is I spend time in the word of God because I know without a doubt that God can always comfort me when I need to be comforted. His word has a way of putting a new passion, a new strength in me and setting me right on my day. That's part of it. But there's two sides. See, maybe you're coming to the word of God, and it's not always just comforting. And it's not always you just walking around with heavy things. I know you're hurting, but hurting people often hurt people. You ever hear that saying? It's a good saying. So you're walking around, and maybe you're doing some stuff that's actually hurting other people and whatever, but you're mad, let's say, at your boss or your teacher, and you come to the surgery table of God's Word, and like you're wanting to read the Word and get one of those scriptures, you know those Old Testament scriptures, like, smite my enemies and let their heads be on a thousand platters. You're like, where is this from? And you're wanting one of those scriptures, Right? But then what you realize is that God's word isn't always there to just comfort you. The second edge to this sword is not comfort, but it's conviction. Everybody say conviction. So maybe you're wanting God to just, oh, Lord, lift my spirit. But it's not really what you need. And instead, he gives you something like James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to, slow to, and slow to become angry. And so you're in the presence of God waiting for the back scratch, and then you realize, hold up, there's two sides to this thing. <laughs> Can we have the anesthesiologist come up? And then God deals with you. Oh, but listen to me. I'm serious. God deals with you. And you're like, ah, God, that's not what I want to hear. Stop. That hurts. God, I thought you're supposed to be on my side, and if God was here, he would tell you, I am. But no good doctor can see a cancer living in you and not cut it out. But we don't like this in our spiritual life. We want comfort. Oh, Lord, just comfort me. Let me raise my hands. That's great. But sometimes the path to healing isn't comfort, it's conviction. And if we're spiritual babies who can never let God use both sides of his word in our life, we'll never grow up. We'll never get better. Maybe you come to God and you're like, Lord, give me that promotion. Lord, if I get that promotion, I could get a, a, a car that I really want. And I'm not even saying he's, he doesn't want it for you. The hardest part for me about preaching is that this could be exactly for somebody, but not for somebody else. Because it's a very specific example. But maybe you come to God. God, give me a promotion. And he's sitting there and he's like, man, in this season, I don't really think you need faith for more. I'm trying to teach you generosity because I gave you a pretty good job a year ago and you still haven't done anything for anybody else. 
And so if I give you this blessing right now, maybe what I'll be teaching you is that things matter more than people. So you come to the surgery table expecting a little comfort from God, but he might tell you something like Acts 20, where it says, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so the surgeon's standing above you, and he knows exactly what you need. He knows when you need a, but he also knows when you need a, I'm, I'm serious. The word of God ain't always feel good. But a dad that loves you doesn't let you do whatever you want. A dad that loves you, a dad that needs to correct you knows. You know, I wasn't going to tell this story, but let me tell you a story where it's a, phys- stay there for a second. It's a very, very um, human example that my dad told me one time. And it made a difference, but it hurt because he had to cut some cancer out of me. I was only like 13, 14 years old. And I've always had a big personality. I always like to be loud and yell and just be stupid. But he told me one day, he sat me down. I was just talking, letting nobody else talk. Because when you're the baby, you've got to fight for your words. You know what I mean? And I wasn't letting anybody else talk. And he told me, he said, Jeffrey, listen, I love you. But if you don't learn to be quiet and let other people talk, no one will like you as you grow up. But I got to college, and there was this guy, and he never learned that lesson, and nobody liked him. And I didn't appreciate that cut from my father until I was 19 years old. I guess what I'm trying to say is my dad loved me too much to only comfort me. And God loves you so much. Please don't hear anything else. God loves you so much. But he loves you too much to never do the tough stuff, to never cut you if you need to be cut. Because a a loving doctor can't let a cancer reside in a heart if he knows where it leads. And there's cancers that we carry around in our heart. Pride, bitterness, fear, self-centeredness. And God's not just going to scratch your back on those things. Sometimes he's going to cut it out because he wants the best for you. Amen? Amen. So, Zach, you can go sit down. Give Zach a hand clap. Same time tomorrow. Huh? Nah, it's all right. I might, I might just lounge for a second. <laughs> um, okay, listen. God's word is like a double-edged scalpel. There is quiz. God, you're always the best. You always know the answers. There is comfort. Great. But there's also, you have got to give God permission to say, hey, that's wrong. It needs to change. But you also have to give God permission to say, hey, I love you, and I'll never stop loving you. They are both important. Listen, when you come to the word of God, sometimes it'll convict, sometimes it'll comfort, but it will always heal. And that's the bottom line of of this whole sermon. When you come and you let God's word do it work, you listen, you apply it. Sometimes, oh, God, you're so good. Sometimes, oh, Lord, that hurts. It might comfort It might convict, but it will always heal. The word is living and active. And I get so tired when people act like the word of God is outdated. When the word of God, oh, the word of God is ancient. It was written by small-minded people. They don't, no, no, no. Don't blame the word of God just because you don't know how to read it. Okay? Just because you don't understand it. I know this book, and it's changed my life. It's the most relevant, spot-on, it is more... It is more relevant than anything you've seen in Netflix in the last year. But you got to come to it with the mindset that says, Lord, I'm humble. I'm on the surgery table. Do your work. And if that is your mindset, it will read you more than you read it. It will get in your kitchen. 
but you got to let it do both. I know it can be confusing, but the reason I wanted to preach this message before we start the new series next week, because I just want you to make a commitment to yourself, to God, to really take his word serious before the new school year starts. Man, get in church, read, take notes. I try to teach and not make it boring. I made this yesterday, okay? This is how bad I don't want it to be boring for you because the word of God changed my life. And I had a professor one time say, bad preaching is worse than boring preaching. No, that's not what he said. He said the opposite way. Boring preaching is worse than bad preaching. (laughs) Sorry, Chris Hayes. He said, Boring preaching is worse than bad preaching. So I, I put a lot of work in this. I like to have fun because I want you to learn because the word of God will change your life. Come here. Take notes. Prioritize it. Go home. Try to read it by yourself. I know it's confusing, but start a Bible, Devo, uh, Bible app Devo plan. It takes 10 minutes, breaks it down for you. If you don't know how to start one, I will personally help you. But I wrote this down, and I know this to be true. You ready? If you only want comfort... And no conviction, you'll be misled. If you only want conviction and no comfort, you'll be miserable. But if you want comfort and conviction, you'll be mature. Now, let me, let me expound on that. If you only want comfort, everybody say comfort, and no conviction, you'll be misled. Meaning that you're never going to think anything's your fault because nobody's going to be able to, even your closest friends won't be able to get up in your business and tell you nothing. No, that's not my fault. Scratch my back or we're not friends. You're going to be so misled your whole life. We all have so much to work on. The other side of that is you just want conviction. And no, there's some Christians that are like, I don't even need God to love me. God, give me your worst. No, listen. <laughs> I'm dead serious. You ever meet those Christians? Like they're suffering for the gospel. No, you're not. Burger King took a long time. Sit down. <laughs> suffering for the gospel and i'm proud of it no okay listen there are some people that oh no god straightened me out lord that like they've never heard the warm i love you from god and listen as far as i can tell as long as we're on this earth we will never get it figured all the way out so don't just want god's conviction you got to hear the loving voice of the father too you need conviction and if you only want conviction you'll be miserable eventually but if you want conviction and you want comfort, that's when you'll be mature. Everybody say mature. So let me end in a different way, wrapping up here. If this surgery for the soul is so important, why don't we go to it more often? Why do we um, act like it's optional or act like it's not that big of a priority? I'm just going to land this plane and with three really, really short things. I think I'll think about it, pray about it. I think that we avoid the word of God, for the same reason that we avoid the real doctor. First of all, shots, just kidding. (laughs) First of all, number one, we don't think we need it. Why we resist the surgery of God's word? We don't think we need it. When it comes to the real doctor, I'm terrible about this. I just told you, I'm, I'm always fine, right? I could be throwing up blood 40 pounds lighter than I was the morning before. I'm like, just give me a Tylenol. I don't need to go to the doctor. I just, I hate it. But in a spiritual sense, we think I'm a good person. And I think that's, I'm going to deal with this next week when I start the new series. I think that's the predominant mind of people. Like, no, I'm relatively a pretty good person. Well, pretty good people don't really think they need much saving. And we don't think we need the word of God or we don't think we need Jesus. Or we'll say like, no, I need Jesus, but we won't listen to his word. 
And so it's confusing. We don't think we need it. And if you don't think you need it, you're always going to avoid uh, what God's word can do in your life. Secondly, another reason that we resist the surgery of God's word is we're scared. Doctor freaks me out. I already told you. But you don't ever have to be scared to go to the word of God. Ever. Sometimes even when God convicts you, you think he's mad at you. And some of you, like the, the way the devil will work against you is every time the Bible convicts you, he will make you think that God is mad at you and God is condemning you because he knows if he can convict you and change that to condemnation in your life, you'll run away scared of God. You don't have to be scared of God. God is not mad at you. Even when he uses this end, it's not like he has an ugly heart towards you. Ever since the Old Testament, the Bible said in Psalms 86, 15, but you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious. You're slow to anger. You're abounding in love and faithfulness. God cares about you so much. He's the most patient, the most kind God. No matter what you've done, nothing that, that Jesus' blood doesn't cover. You ain't got to be scared to go to him. He wants better for you than you want for yourself. And lastly, why do we avoid the doctor? Resist the surgery of God, number three, because we think we can diagnose and heal ourselves. Please hear me. There is no WebMD for your spiritual life. Okay, I know you could WebMD your symptoms and cook up some little Walter White recipe that you just found online, but it's not like that. With the word of God, there's no substitute. We could try to self-medicate, but eventually all of our solutions run dry. You can only numb yourself with a Netflix series till it ends. You can only, you know, new boyfriend, new girlfriend that you're trying to use to camouflage the problem. It's only going to work for so long. At the end of the day, God's thoughts and ways are so much different than yours that he'll get to the heart of the problem with something you haven't even thought about yet. And you'll be like, God, what in the world? How did you do that? Because what it says in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, God says, for my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, God knows more than us, but he gives us a glimpse into his thoughts through his word. But we gotta prioritize it. So let me recap everything I've said. God's word is like a double-edged scalpel. So come get surgery for your soul. Sometimes God will convict you. Sometimes he'll comfort you, but he will always, always, always do it with the heart to heal you because he loves you because he wants to see you thrive he wants to see you live your best life lived with him but if you only want comfort you'll be misled if you only want conviction you'll be miserable if you want comfort and conviction you'll be mature so let's grow together god loves you so much i hope you know that thanks so much for listening if you live in the victoria area stop by one of our services church is way better with people so if you're between the ages of 18 to 29, check out our Instagram at ffc.ya. All of our service info is there. And if you're 6th through 12th grade, check out our Instagram at ffc.sm. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And even more, I hope it brought you closer to God. Have a great day.